had been specially commissioned to work amongst the Gentiles, and he wrote lots of letters to them. And this letter to the Ephesians was written for the newly planted churches and the new Christians. But it's also a valid refresher for older, established churches. Paul's focus throughout his letter to the Ephesians was about living the right way and doing and saying the right things. The key message in this letter is structured around some form of the phrase, Therefore I walk, which suggests that it's a continual progression towards a destination. And as Lionel said last week, sin is the journey to salvation. So Paul was giving some guidance to help them on their journey. Ephesians 4 talks about working worthy of your calling. Our calling is a desire etched in our heart by God to form a relationship with him. In committing to God, we have been changed, as we are no longer bound to sin which separates us from God. So therefore we need to adapt to that change. Paul encourages us to walk, meaning to live, in a way which reflects the grace given to us by God. Psalm 119 tells us that those who walk in God's way shall be blessed, that there is joy in obedience. And Colossians, as we heard, says, we pray this in order that you may live a life that is worthy of the Lord. The command to walk worthy of our calling does not mean that we are somehow to earn or merit our position. To walk worthy of our calling simply means to live up to that calling. Our daily lives should match the message of the gospel and of the character of Jesus as we know him. Our actions should match our words. Our outward presentation should match our inward conviction. This requires us to live differently and to have different attitudes towards the rest of the world. Paul describes the specific attitudes and actions believers should have to walk in Christ. Paul starts with, be completely humble and gentle, or sometimes translated as walking in lowliness and meekness. Humility or lowliness is recognising that we are to be grateful for the things we have in our lives, including our natural gifts and talents. And that although we may have talents and opportunities to use them for our own benefit, they aren't to be used to build up wealth or to satisfy our ego or personal ambitions. We need to put aside our own sense of self-importance or vanity and pride. Now you might not care about what others think of you, but it does matter if you want to work worthy. It requires us to occasionally take a moment of self-reflection, where we need to reassess our priorities, our goals, or where we are at on our journey, and think about how we might be perceived by others. Think of it like a school report and being assessed by somebody else. It offers a new perspective. And this is a comment from one of mine. Karen is progressing, but not as rapidly as first impressions indicated. She is easily distracted and distracting during our work. Her sense of humour and vivid imagination enlivens our class discussions. 
But in my defence, I was actually only six at the time. <laughs> but this does not mean we cannot take small amount of pride or satisfaction in our skills or our achievements and a job well done. But we need to have a rounded view of ourselves and acknowledge the things we are not so good at and that we aren't perfect. Humility is seeing ourselves as we truly are, neither worthy because of our successes or unworthy because we've had a rough life and have made mistakes. As no one is better or more deserving than anyone else, we are created and loved by God and all of us are equal in his eyes. Paul's next comment was, gentleness or meekness. Now gentleness or meekness doesn't mean to say we should be passive or weak and allow ourselves to be treated or abused and used as doormats by others. Just that we have to have self-control and to try and remain calm in spirit, finding the equanimity, the calmness and composure, especially in difficult situations, through our faith and trust in Jesus, to rise above it. Sometimes it means to willingly accept the authority of someone else without complaint or resistance, putting ourselves in second place for the good of others. Both Jesus and Moses were the Bible standards of God's honouring meekness and lowliness. Men who did not seek their own honour and power and did not covet God people's imagination and approval, who simply did what God pleased and served others without wanting credit for it or seeing it as a way of establishing their identity. They were gentle, but sometimes not. Jesus was passively assertive. He didn't get angry or loud with people, but quietly rebuked or corrected them, sometimes with a touch of sarcasm. Moses' meekness was what enabled him to stay sane, albeit with the occasional grumble, because he did not treat his role and his work and the inevitable criticism and challenges as the basis for his identity or self-worth. He didn't seek to be the leader of people. God chose him. His sense of duty and submission to God kept him grounded, kept him from self-pity, from entitlement, from greed and abuse of power, from many of the temptations that leaders faced. And think of King David and all his women and his palaces and horses. And also think of Vladimir Putin and all his stuff that he's acquired. Humility and meekness are only possible when our actions and mindset are directed by a different set of principles, a different set of priorities, and that we are serving God and not ourselves. Submitting to God doesn't make us powerless, it enables us to do more. Paul's next comment was, be patient, bearing with love one another in love. Patience put into practice produces a loving tolerance of people's weakness and foibles, including our own, without condoning such shortfalls, but encouraging and supporting change, showing forbearance and not acting against somebody even though you had the right to do so. 
recognising that we all have struggles and stresses in our lives, which may play out in our responses to another. So we're not just supposed to just tolerate somebody, but because we don't want an argument, or we choose not to because it's just too difficult. But it's a deeper tolerance. The Greek word akonome, translated as bearing with, means to take responsibility for, again and again. The idea is to be continually and patiently enduring, tolerating and bearing with one another. The important expression of Christians should be have love for another, as indicated by Paul's praise, in love, going deeper than just simple tolerance. For as we know, love covers a multitude of sins. Having an open, forgiving heart, as described by the word agape, which describes unconditional love, where we're displaying a genuine concern for people's need for love, companionship, acceptance and respect. Being kind and patient with one another because one day you might need that kindness and loving tolerance shown to you. Peter in his letters reminds us that we have received mercy from God and urges us to walk in that mercy and be considerate to all and honour everyone, reflecting and passing on that mercy. <coughs> there are many specific ways one can be bearing with one another, but the central idea is that we do it in love, genuine, heartfelt love. Then thirdly, Paul tells us to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Note that it says we are to maintain the unity and not create it, because we are already united, are in one with one another through the blood of Christ. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. So Christian unity is a must. Unity is visible. We are seen when we join together with each other, like in our hub churches, when we work together in community projects, when we gather together from different parts of New Zealand, from different denominations, to pray together, to sing together, to share God's message with each other and discuss issues when we join at conferences. However, unity is easy until you encounter diversity. Diversity over minor things like music, movies, basic stuff, is usually fine, people can work it out. But our different upbringings, theologies, cultures, all create differences, and then people want to hold on to their point of view, their way of doing things. But these differences shouldn't overshadow our common bond of faith. Diversity enriches us as we share our understandings of biblical passages, as we share our personal experiences of life and faith and our understanding of God. As we bring our different cultures with its poetry and music into the worship space, Unity exists in spite of, not in spite of diversity, but because of it. Unity and diversity coexist. We shouldn't want or push for the sameness, just one way of doing or looking at things. We need to be open to all the different perspectives that we encounter, not just from different cultures, but different age groups and different denominations. Diversity expands our spiritual world. 
Unity is not about working at cross-purposes against each other, but with cross-purposes and shared purposes to build and develop God's kingdom on earth. All Christians and churches ultimately have the same purpose, to love, to serve, to worship and to honour God. We believe in the same God, follow the same Jesus Christ and have been blessed by the same Spirit and read the same, albeit in different languages and translations, Bible. That is why the church is often described as a body, with Christ as the head, meaning not only he comes first in everything, but that he's also the brains behind it all. Every cell, every person, has a purpose and function. We are interconnected by our DNA, the spirit. While some have been called to be prophets, teachers, ministers, evangelists, to act as leaders and mentors to prepare God's people for the work of God's service, we all take part. True unity requires endless patience as we all walk together in our Christian pilgrimage, being eager to act and make every effort to maintain the unity of spirit and the bond of peace. And much like in real life as we transition from baby to toddler to teenager and then adulthood, we also go through similar transitions on our faith journey. For we have been called out of darkness to light, out of slavery to sin and out of the kingdom of Satan into the kingdom of God. The reality of that calling is reflected in our daily lives as we rely on his divine power to walk worthy. Amen.